Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. I wonder if uh, as many as would you feel the liberty if you just raise your hands right now. There's such an incredible presence of Jesus here. If you need a miracle, Jesus can do that miracle right now. That's it. Just tell him you love him. Just tell Jesus, I love you, Jesus. Thank you for coming to earth. Thank you for bringing peace when the world is in great turmoil. Thank you for loving. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The scripture says he came to give gifts unto men. It's not that he doesn't give gifts. It's just so hard for us to receive it sometimes. Sometimes we don't feel worthy. Life has a way of doing that. From a little child all the way to becoming a senior citizen. Things can happen where you just don't feel worthy to receive. But there is a great presence of God here. He has bought, He has brought today presence to give to you. He knew you before you got here. I just am supposed to greet you. Um, so many wonderful new faces, and I just happen to be the pastor's father. So, yeah. And then there's, you know, there's some old, 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 uh, some familiar faces. And it is so good to see you. And so many memories, some that are not here today, but they are waiting. Waiting on us to arrive. I don't know, but somehow I have a distinct feeling that they look over that balcony and they see into the realm of where we are. They say worship. Worship is going to be better than you can ever dream. It's going to... All sorrow will pass away. You will not live in eternity carrying the heartache with you. I woke up this morning. Uh, we have a busy schedule today at home. and uh, But I woke up early. And some things I had to do in order to jump in the car and drive here. And I just felt it. I needed to come. I needed to come. And I'd like, you know, maybe... I just came really because I miss my son. 
he is my friend. And uh, I just wanted to come. You know, you all have an incredible preacher. You know that. That's really why I came, but what an added blessing to be here, to see new faces. The house is full, and I sense that it's filled with people who are glad to be here. Well, that makes all the difference in the world when you're happy to be here. And I say, uh, you know, whenever I say Merry Christmas even though it's not politically correct in my city again. But I still say it. I say it. I say it to aggravate them. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And I wish I was kidding you, but I'm not. I walk out, and the other night we were downtown, and we would, you know, been something. We come out, and they were standing out there, happy holiday. Yes, and Merry Christmas. You want to hear it again? Merry Christmas. So, thank you all. Thank you for your kindness to my son and his family. And I thank my son and his family for their kindness to you. Yes. So, it's... It's nice to renew acquaintances, and it's nice to meet new people. And um, I want to hear my son preach, so I want him to come. Amen. So good to have our bishop with us. Amen. 40 years ago, almost 40 years ago, he I was seven years old when we moved across country from Arizona and we planted I say we, he and my mom started the church here in Lexington Park and now look what God has done all these years later and now he's started another church in D.C. and God is blessing that work amen so we owe a lot to him amen we give him honor and we thank him today for I wasn't expecting to see him today I was standing up here at the front greeting people and my daughter said you didn't tell me Papa was going to be here I said because he's not here I said yeah he's right there I said well I didn't know he was going to be here Glad you're here, Dad. I love you. Amen. If you could turn your Bibles with me to the book of Luke chapter 1. Amen. Luke chapter 1. And I, I think the Holy Ghost, through everything that is being done, is going to speak a clear word. And my father mentioned a moment ago that, you know, things happen in life to make us feel unworthy. Amen. Like we're not worthy of God's mercy, we're not worthy of his grace, we're not worthy to be a vessel in his hands. But I, I believe it was in the one of the books of the prophets that the prophet went down to the potter's house and he saw there on the vessel, or, or on the potter's wheel, a vessel, but he said that potter's, that vessel that was on the potter's wheel was marred. I mean, it had flaws in it. It was probably... Something, something that could not, was not usable. But the potter didn't throw it away. He simply said, I'm going to make it anew. Amen. I'm going to start over and make this a vessel that is, listen, it doesn't matter all the mistakes, the mars, the mess-ups in your life. We serve a great potter. He's got a great plan. Not just for this church, not just for the ministry, for every individual that is in this building. Tell your neighbor, God has a great plan for you. Amen. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin who was engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, who was of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw the angel, she was troubled at this greeting. Said in her mind, what kind of salutation is this? And the angel said to her, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and 
Bring forth the son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great. And isn't he great today? Come on, isn't he great today? He shall, not only is great, but he shall be great. And he shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said back to the angel, How shall this be, seeing that I don't know a man? Amen. How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Amen. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. I do want to say, I know I got a text right before service started, but all the way from the Netherlands today, Brother Helio and Sister Jessica Gonsalves are joining us today through technology. So everybody wave it all the way to the Netherlands. Amen. And various other locations where people have joined us from today. Amen. I want to preach for just a few minutes. Okay, that's not true. I want to preach for a little while this morning. Amen. It doesn't help your preaching if you start off with a lie. So I'm going to start off with the truth today. I want to preach for a little while today on this thought, the unconventional timing of God. Amen. The unconventional timing of God. There was a man who was in prayer one day, and uh, we're going to kind of bring it to life a little bit, but in this prayer he said, God, and God responded, yes. The man replied, can I ask you a question? And God said, sure, go right ahead. And so the man asked, God, what what is a million years to you? And God said, well, a million years to me is like only a second. So the man pondered that and thought for a moment, and then he said, God, what is a million dollars worth to you? And God said, well, a million dollars to me is a penny. The man thought a little bit longer and said, God, can I have a penny? And God cheerfully responded to the man and said, sure, just a second. (laughs) Have you ever been in that place where you felt like God said, just a second? In the middle of a circumstance where you needed God right now, but God's timing didn't seem to be in synchronization with our timing. Sister Taylor used to sing the song that was fun to sing along with. It was one of those sing-along songs. Amen. We would all join in when she would sing. and In fact, it was actually a pretty fun song to clap to. I don't know what, they, they, we don't do it much anymore, but there used to be a, I don't know what it was called, some kind of improvisational clapping where everybody else would be clapping on this beat and Angelita and the crew would all be. Anyway, y'all know what I'm talking about? It was a fun song to clap to. It's an on, he's an on-time God. Oh, yes, he is. He may not come when you want him, but he's always right on time. He's an on-time God. Oh, yes, he is. That's a fun song to sing. An even more fun song to clap to, but it's not always an easy song to live to. That he may not come when you want him, but he's always right on time. I want to preach today about the two sides of this coin of God's unconventional timing. Because the fact is that God's timing is rarely in agreement with our timing. Rarely does God move when our calculations and our analysis have determined that right now would be the best time for God to move. Does it work that way for you? That it rarely ever happens that I think this would be the right time for God to bring me a financial blessing, and that's not when it happens. Amen. Rarely does it happen when I think right now would be the best time for God to bring healing, and it rarely happens in that moment. Because there is an unconventional nature to God's timing. To say that God's timing is unconventional according to the definition of the word unconventional simply means that his timing does not conform to our rules or our standards. Amen. God's timing is not subject to what we think is the right time. Amen. God's timing is not subject to our plans, our rules, nor our standards. And there are two sides to that coin. The first side of the coin with God's timing that it doesn't always align with our timing. And when it would fit best with our agenda and our plans is 
Normally, this, the first side of the coin is norm, the one we normally deal with, and that is that God doesn't do things as quickly as we want him to. We feel like we're waiting on him. If it were a football game, we'd throw a yellow flag, five yards delay of game. God, you were supposed to move in this moment and you didn't move. It all made sense if you would have done this at this time and you didn't do it. There was a delay between what I thought was the right time and what God thought was the right time. And this is generally the quadrant of God's timing that we live in. And it is in this place and on this side of the coin that we learn a very valuable lesson and that is how to wait on the Lord. How to wait on the Lord. My father always taught me, since he's here today, he can confirm the one prayer you should not pray for is patience. Amen? Because if you, learn, if you pray for patience, God is going to give them to you. He, but he's not going to just give it to you. He's going to teach you by teaching you how to wait on the Lord. The Bible has much to say about this side of the coin. Psalms chapter 27 verse 14 says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Tell your neighbor, wait on the Lord. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. We like the eagle's wings and we like running and not being weary, but all of that is preceded by learning to wait upon the Lord. If you want to fly like an eagle, then you've got to learn to wait on him. If you want to run and not get weary, then you've got to learn to wait on him. And they shall walk and not f Has anybody learned or are you in the process of learning to wait upon the Lord? David was wondering in the 94th Psalm, what was taking God so long? And he wrote this prayer, Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked triumph? How long will they utter and speak hard things? And all the workers of iniquity boast. David was saying, God, when are you going to show up? Anybody looked around at all the evil in the world and wondered what is taking God so long? Have you listened to the voices of evil men as they spew their boastings and wondered what is taking God so long? But God is teaching you to wait on the Lord. Abraham and Sarah are a personification of this first side of the coin. God gives to Abram a promise of children. In fact, he says that out of what you produce, there is going to be so many children that it's going to be like the stars of the sky. And it's, it's, they're going to be as innumerable as the sands of the seashore. And yet years have gone by and the womb of Sarah is still barren. And the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 16 verse 2 that Sarah gets tired of waiting on the Lord. There's a danger when you get tired of waiting on the Lord. And you begin to produce things through your own humanity because you get tired of waiting on the Lord. Amen. Sarah produced an Ishmael because she wasn't willing to wait on the promises of God. She said to Abraham, her husband, I want you to go into my handmaid Hagar and I want you to have a child with my handmaiden. And, and Ishmael is born out of Sarah's unwillingness to wait on the Lord. Uh, just a couple of chapters later, after Ishmael has been born, uh, amen, God sends messengers in Genesis 18, and those messengers come, and they give Sarah a word from God. How many of you like a word from God? Uh, amen. How many of you ever got a word from God that sounded ridiculous? Uh, it sounded like there was no way it could work out. Well, the angel, the messenger of the Lord, came to Sarah and says, you will have a child. And the Bible says she doubles over in laughter. Uh, amen. She says, there's no way I been waiting on God and God didn't show up but God said I told you if you'd wait I'd show up I gave you a promise and if you'll just learn to wait on me because my timing is not always your timing my way somebody here today be careful about producing an Ishmael in the season of waiting on the Lord if he gave you a promise it will come to pass if he gave you a word it will come to pass Somebody ought to give him praise today. 
Come on, that's what we do while we wait. We praise him. That's what we do while we wait. And perhaps the most telling of the stories in the scripture of this first side of the coin that provides us with the greatest understanding not just of how to wait, but why God's timing leaves us wondering where he is and how he will show up is the death of his friend Lazarus. In John chapter 11, the Bible says, beginning in verse 4, after the news has come to Jesus that his friend Lazarus was sick, The Bible says when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but it's for the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Verse 5 goes on and says, now Jesus loved Martha, and he loved her sister Mary, and he loved Lazarus. And because he loved them so much, when he heard the news, the Bible says he stayed two days longer in the same place where he was. Verse 7 says, then after that, after two days of waiting longer, he says to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. We know the story goes on that Jesus shows up. Lazarus has been in the grave four days, and Jesus calls him forth out of that grave. But this portion of the scripture that we read today gives us insight into why God delays his answers. Amen. Why God doesn't show up when we think that he should. Why God doesn't arrive. Why God doesn't wake up when our alarm goes off. When we first read through this, it doesn't make any sense. The Bible says that he loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And because he loved them so much, the Bible says when he heard the news that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two days longer. That doesn't make any sense. That does not calculate in our time, in our timeline and the way that God should respond because common sense and human reasoning, if somebody said to me that your child is sick and about to die, I'm not going to stay two days longer in Orlando. I'm not going to wait two days longer when I'm out of town. I'm going to book a flight right then and I'm going to get back to where they are because my love for them is great. Common sense and human reasoning says the more that you love somebody the quicker you should respond the closer my relationship the more I should hasten my response but God's ways are not our ways because Jesus when Jesus said I love them in that passage in verse 5 when it said that Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus the word that is used there in verse 3 they came Let me proceed that by saying in verse 3, a messenger, in fact, one of the sisters came. And she came with the news of Lazarus being sick. And here's what she said. She said, he whom you love is sick. And the word love that is used there is the Greek word philio, which is a a love of a friend. And anybody have just kind of that companion, that good friend? That you know you can call them when you're down, like you, you need a few dollars to, you know, to get something. You know that friend you can count on. Brother Scott, you're my friend. I, you were trying to put that on me, but I got the microphone, so I'm going to put it on you. <laughs> that, that brotherly, that's what filio is. It's a brotherly love. And, and, and the, the, the sister of Lazarus, she didn't understand the depth of the love that Jesus had for Lazarus. She thought it was a brotherly love. She said that one that you brotherly love, he is sick. Amen. But two verses later when Jesus makes the decision that I'm going to stay two days longer, it wasn't filio, brotherly love that he used. He said this was Lazarus whom he agape loved. It was the deepest form of love. It's not just a friendly love. It's a love of trust. It's a love of trust. Jesus was saying, I trust Lazarus, and I trust Martha, and I trust Mary. And I need my name to be, I need people to recognize who I am, that I'm not just one who turns water into wine. I'm not just one who opens blind eyes, but I can call a dead man out of the grave, and I need my name to be glorified, but I've got to find somebody I can trust. If you're here today and God didn't show up when you thought he would, it's because he trusts you. He trusts you enough to go through it. (laughs) 
somebody in this building today, you, God hasn't answered you yet, and you wonder if he's going to show up. I just want you to consider for a moment, it may just be that God trusts you, that you're still going to praise him, that you're still going to worship him. Come on, you've been going through it for a while, but I just want to encourage you, don't give up. Wait on the Lord. And again, I say wait upon the Lord. There is a greater plan and a greater purpose at work, but God needs somebody he can trust. Listen, God is trying to show his glory on this earth. He wants his glory to be revealed in your workplace. He wants your glory to be revealed in your community. But the only way he can do that is when your circumstance gets so negative and when our culture gets so negative that man couldn't fix it. But God says, I've got a church that I trust. I've got a people I trust. And so if you just wait, Wait a minute, I'm going to show up, and I'm going to call Lazarus out of that grave. If God doesn't show up, it's because he trusts you. He trusts you to say in uncertain circumstances long enough that his glory can be revealed. Anybody ever felt like, God, I, my entire life is on hold waiting on you to show up? God, it would make a whole lot of sense if you would have shown up by now. But it is the agape love of the Lord that leads him to wait. If he couldn't have trusted Lazarus and Martha and Mary enough for his glory to be revealed, he wouldn't have waited two days. He would have run right back there and bailed them out of their circumstance. But he said, I trust you enough that it's not just about you, but it's about a kingdom that is bigger than you. It's about a glory that is greater than you. So I wish somebody thank him today. Thank you, Lord, that you trust me enough. Thank you that you trust me enough. Because not everybody can endure long enough for God's glory to be revealed. Not everybody can keep their attitude right long enough for God to get the praise. He loved Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but he waited until they were in the fire because he trusted them. He loved Daniel, but he waited until he was in the lion's den because he trusted them. He loved Lazarus, but he waited two more days before he came to Bethany. Why? Because he trusted him. And the highest level of love it's not when God comes running every time you call. Some of us, if we had the God we wished we served, we'd have Aladdin's genie. Every time we rub the lamp, God comes and shows up. Every time we make a bad choice and get ourselves into a jam, we just rub, rub the lamp and God shows up. Every time we need a little bit of extra money to, 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 to buy that, that gift for our loved one, the, those, those two turtle doves and a partridge, we've got to make sure i got the 12 days of Christmas, so I need to rub the magic lamp. Listen, God is not a genie. If God really loves you, he's not going to show up every time you rub the lamp. Amen. He's not going to bail you out of every circumstance, but he's going to let you go through some things because the trial is what brings you forth as pure gold. So I wonder just a moment, can we thank God for that first side of the coin? Can we thank God that he doesn't always show up in time? Can we thank God that he trusts us enough? Come on, somebody, can you? Th I want you to get a revelation right now that maybe, just maybe, the reason he hasn't showed up yet is because he agapes you. He trusts you. He trusts you. I don't know about you, but that says something to my soul. Thank you, God. It means so much to me that you trust me, that you trust that I can go through the valley and not get a rotten attitude, that you trust me enough that I can go through the storm and not become bitter, that you trust me enough that I can go through the dark place and still be a beacon that gives glory unto God. If you feel that way, why don't you give him praise right now? I wish somebody would say, God, you can trust me. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Amen. 
And that is the first side of the coin of God's unconventional timing. But there is a second side of the coin of this unconventional timing of God. And we find this second side of the coin of God's unconventional timing revealed in the text that we took from Luke chapter 1 this morning when a young lady from Nazareth named Mary is visited by an angel and the angel appears unto Mary and says in verse 30, Fear not, for thou hast found favor with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, shall be called the son of the highest and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary, this makes sense to me, the rest of it is a little supernatural, but Mary's response makes sense to my humanity. She says, how can this be seeing I don't know a man? The angel comes while she is espoused, but not married. She's engaged, but not married. In, in, to understand in the culture to be a spouse to one another is like we've made the vows to one another. We're committed to one another. We just haven't entered into the ceremony where we can come together. And you guys can go from there with what that means. They were separated from all others, but they had not yet been joined to one another. And when Gabriel informs her that she is going to be with child, her natural response and her understandable question is, how can this be? Anybody, God, ever spoken anything into your life and your response, if you were honest, was how can this be? God says, I'm going to do something great through you, and your response is because you're looking at your circumstances, and you say back, God, how can this be? I'm going to give you a revival in this world that you live in today, and we look at the nature of, our, of the world that we live in, and we say, how can this be? Can I tell you today what God wants to do is not determined by what is going on around us. What God is going to do is not determined by the culture and by the climate of the world we live in. If God says he's going to do do something, it will be done by the Holy Ghost. We don't need to get the right president in office. We don't need the right party ruling. Amen. We just need God to speak. How can this be? You're telling me that I'm going to have a child, but I've got a question for you. How can this be? See, I think Mary's response, a child is part of my plans, but I'm not prepared for it to be a part of my present. There are those times where it seems like God doesn't move soon enough. We talked about those. But there are also those times where God moves and we don't feel like we're ready. Yes, there are those painful, patience-provoking seasons where we must wait on the Lord, but there are also those uncomfortable, stretching seasons where we ask the Lord, can you wait on me? <laughs> Amen. Yeah, God, I, there are those seasons where I wondered why was I waiting on you, but now I'm in a season where, I, God, I've got to ask you, can you wait on me? I'm not ready. It's not that I'm waiting on God. It's that I need God to wait on me. I'm not ready to do what he's asking me to do. I'm not in the right place to do what he's calling me to do. I'm not in the right season to do what God is calling me to do. And I believe the Holy Ghost has come today to give somebody understanding in this place that you're looking back at God and saying, how can this be? I want to answer that in two words. It's going to happen by the Holy Ghost. Mary, that which is in you is of the Holy Ghost. I wish we'd let the Holy Ghost get loose in here today. I know it's Christmas service, but we need the Holy Ghost because when the Holy Ghost moves, you don't have to figure out how can it be. You just need to let it happen. Thank you, Brother James. And I believe today that God has come to provide understanding and explanation as to what God is up to and what his purpose is for producing a child when we are still in a season of espousal. Why God steps into action when we aren't ready to move. 
First point that I would like to turn you to is in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22. The Bible says, now all this was done. Everybody say, all this. All this was all this. It, it was the wise men, it was the shepherds, it was, it was the angels, it was, it was the whole nativity scene. It was everything that involved the birth of the Lord. And the Bible says, all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Amen. Amen. And I, I would say the first understanding today, the first reason why God moves us into action when we're not necessarily ready to move is because it has already been prophesied. Amen. God says it to fulfill a bigger plan. Amen. God begins to nudge you, Brian, when you're in a season where you don't feel like you're ready. And God says, Brian, your plans aren't ready, but I've got a plan that's bigger than your plan. I've got a kingdom that's bigger than your kingdom. I've got a way that's above your way. You see, we have preconceived ideas for how prepared we need to be. We have a checklist of things that need to happen in order for God to begin to work in our lives. We have a checklist of actions and accomplishments. Well, I've got to go to Bible school and I... You know, I, I gotta, I gotta read through the whole Bible. Amen. I gotta fast thirty days, and you know, I got, I gotta get this in right. I gotta get that right. Once I get that checklist, then okay, God, that that having a baby thing. You know, once I get married to Joseph, and you know, once once we've been married for at least nine months, and once this happens and that happens, then okay, I can see that having a baby because we have our own preconceived idea for the things that need to take place in order for God to begin to move in our lives. And the fact is that while Mary had her plans that involved a logical pathway and a logical plan. The prophetic plan of God involved Mary in her present state. Logical thinking. God, come back in a year or two. Come back in a year or two. At least give me nine months. Give me ten months because I'm going to need a month for me and Joseph to get married. He's not ready yet. I'm going to have to talk him into it. I'm going to have to make his favorite cake. I'm going to have to do something. I'm going to have to upgrade my Christmas present for Joseph so that, you know, he'll be open to this whole marriage idea. And then we need my, nine months after that. I'm going to need a little bit of time here. But God said, you don't understand my plan that is bigger than your plan. I need you right where you are at right now. I don't need all of it to make sense to you. I just need you to make yourself available unto me. It's already been prophesied. There are things that God has already spoken that are already going on. And God doesn't need you a year from now. He doesn't need you five years from now. He needs you right now. I wish somebody helped me preach for a few minutes here this morning. Mary didn't know it, but everything about where she was at right now positioned her to be a part of a greater plan of God. According to her plans, God needed to wait. But according to what God had already prophesied, according to God's plans, now was the right time. Tell your neighbor, now is the right time. I see these young people in the first two rows. Okay, God, let me go ahead and graduate high school first, and then I'll listen while the preacher preaches all day Sunday, and I won't scroll through Instagram and Facebook and take notes and pass notes. Hey, give me a few years to grow up, and, and then I'll get with the preacher while he, hey, no, 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 young people, this ain't a 10-year-from-now plan. It's a right-now plan. God needs your generation now. He's not waiting 10 years from now. He sees you right now. He knows how old you are. He knows what you're going through, and he needs you now. See, that, that's the problem. God shows up and starts moving on some of our young people, and we think we're God's little helpers like Santa's elves. Well, God, let me give you a checklist because this young man, he's only 12. How old are you, buddy? 13. He's only 13. Too young. Too young, God. Not, not yet. 
Check back on him in about 10 years, and he'll probably be a fine young man. He'll probably be ready to do the work of God in 10 years from now. And God steps in over here in somebody, and we're, oh, God, hold on. Let me give you a checklist. There's a few things in their life that aren't in order right now. Amen. And not everything in there. Hey, God, you must have missed something on their background check. There's a, a mess over there that hasn't been. And we discount what God knows has already been prophesied, but he needs somebody he can use right now. I'm preaching to somebody in this building right now that you think God needs to check back a year from now. God's not coming back a year from now. He's looking for you right now. Well, I'm just in a difficult season right now. God, once I make it through this, then I'll make myself available. God, I'm just going through a tough time right now. I got some issues at home. I think you showed up at the wrong time. He didn't show up at the wrong time, Mary. He knows who you are. He knows your circumstance. He knows your situation. And what he's about to do is of the Holy Ghost. Tell your neighbor he needs you now. Hallelujah. We need to understand that when God shows up and begins to do a work that we don't feel prepared for. Have you be honest on a Sunday morning and say, there's some things I don't feel qualified for. I don't feel worthy of. There's some things that I know that God maybe has been prompting me to do that I, I'm just afraid that I've disqualified myself. Somebody raise your hand right now. Look around you. Every hand is up. And the enemy comes and uses that as evidence. When the angel of the Lord shows up to you and says, God wants to birth something, and you say, no, not now, because I'm still a virgin. No, not now. I don't know a man. No, not now. I'm not in the right season of my life to be producing anything. Hey, man, stop disqualifying what God wants to do and just say what Mary said. So be it unto me. Come on, somebody raise your hands and say, so be it unto me. We need to understand that when God shows up and begins to do a work that we don't feel prepared for, that preempts our plans and precedes our timeline, we need to understand it's the favor of the Lord. The angel showed up, and what were his first words? Mary, you are highly favored. Now, there's a saying that I've heard in recent years in Christianity that favor ain't fair. And usually we say that when we get a new car. We get a raise on the job. Favor ain't fair. Well, in Mary's case, favor really wasn't fair. Because what the angel was saying, if you read between the lines, was, Mary, I'm about to take your quiet, calm, planned out life. You already called the, the, the wedding planner. You've already got your dream destination, right? I'm learning all these phrases right now as my daughters are moving into that season. Amen. You, you've already got the, the wedding planned out and scheduled, but Mary, I'm about to take all your plans and turn them upside down. I'm about to take your quiet, calm world, and I'm going to rock your world. Amen. Mary, I'm going to do, listen, I'm going to do, listen to me. I'm going to do something in your life that nobody else is going to understand. Your fiancé is going to want to leave you. Society is going to have a perspective of you, and you will wear that reproach through your entire life. Now, I know 2,000 years ago, there's people that pray to Mary. But 2,000 years ago, wasn't nobody praying to Mary. They were whispering when Mary walked down the street. Nobody was believing this story about an angel and the Holy Ghost, and that's why, no, everybody thought Mary was messing around. Mary, I'm about to ruin your reputation. You haven't done anything wrong, but everybody's going to talk about you. You haven't messed up, but everybody's going to think you're a failure. But Mary, you're highly favored. See, favor isn't fair because I'm going to take your plans and I'm going to take your dreams. And Mary, you're going to feel like they've all been crushed or broken. But Mary, that's what favor feels like. Then Mary, favor feels like abandoning your plans. Favor feels like not my will, but thine be done. That's what real favor feels like. It's not a new car or a raise on the job. It's when you abandon your plan to fulfill his plan. 
Somebody give God praise in this building. You need to understand that when God begins to prompt you and move upon you and begins to anoint you to do things that you know you're not capable of, and you know you're not qualified to do, asking you to accomplish things that you know you're not equipped to accomplish, you need to understand that is the favor of God. It is the favor of God. It may mess up your earthly plans, but it's entering in you to an eternal destiny. It's entering you into an eternal plan. I wonder if anybody could give God praise right now for his favor. Can you thank him for those broken dreams? Can you thank him for those busted plans? Can you thank him that God's plan messed up your plan? Many times we want that favor. We, we want the new car and the pay raise favor. We think that being used of God means I get to stand behind a pulpit every Sunday say things and everybody claps and says amen while I say things. And so we try to manufacture the favor of God. We think through this favor of God and this will and plan of God through a romanticized lens that everybody will love me, that I'll be exalted, that my name will be recognized, that I'll be walking in my calling, that it's going to be a beautiful and glorious thing when finally the favor of God chooses me and elevates me. But I would say be careful what you ask for. Be careful what you ask for because Mary would live out her time on this earth with a soiled reputation. She would live out her time on earth with heartbreak and sorrow as she watched her baby be nailed to a tree 33 and a half years after he was born. Her life would be a life of pain and sorrow. But Mary said it's worth it because I got to be a part of something bigger. Come on, somebody, would you help me right now and give God praise? Lord, I don't want your favor for me to be exalted. I want your favor so that your kingdom. Come on, would you raise your hands right now and give God praise? Lord, if my name is never known, if people never have any clue who I am, but I'm able to produce something that brings salvation, I'm able to be a part of something that's been prophesied and spoken of, then Lord, choose me. Oh God, choose me. It may be pain and suffering, it may be sorrow and hurt, but Lord, whatever it takes for your will to be done and not mine. Let me conclude with just a few final points what qualified Mary and what qualifies you and I to be a part of this unconventional plan of God. Matthew 2 and 23 says, He came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. The first thing that qualified Mary for a plan of God that she wasn't ready for, that she wasn't qualified for, was where she was living. Amen? It's already been prophesied. The prophets has already said that this child is going to be from Nazareth. If you read where Mary was from, she was from Nazareth. Her surroundings and her environment qualified Mary for the favor of God, for a plan of God that she wasn't ready for. If you want your life to be a part of the prophetic, a part of God's greater plan, then you have to put yourself in godly environments. Let me say that again. It's amazing on a weekly basis how many text messages, phone calls, emails I get from people. Why, why does it feel like I, I'm not blessed? Why, why am I going through this? Well, what environment are you putting yourself in? I want God to use me. Then stop hanging out at the crack house on Tuesday. Come on. And I'm, I'm preaching a little bit this morning. Y'all can sit there and stare at me if you want to. But if you want the favor of God, then you got to put yourself in a godly environment. If you want the favor of God, then you need to be in the house of God. If you want the favor of God, you need to be among the praises of God. Come on, help me preach for a little while. 
I want to say like David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house. Come on, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Come on, somebody give God a hand clap of praise. If you want God to do an unconventional plan, if you want God to release an anointing in your life that you're not ready for, then you've got to put yourself in the right environment. Can I tell you what the right environment looks like? It looks like you clapping your hands and giving God praise. It looks like you lifting your hands in surrender unto him and saying, Lord, all the glory be unto you. You can't spend time with gossips and expect glory to come out of you. you got to put yourself in the right environment. The second point that qualified Mary was in Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin, everybody say a virgin, shall conceive and bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. The second thing that will qualify you, amen, for, for this this call of God, uh, this unconventional plan of God that you're not ready for, but God will burst something great out of you, is keep being a virgin. Everybody's like, I don't want that one. <laughs> what qualified Mary? Talking about the principle now, y'all with me? Sometimes as a preacher, you say things just to shock people a little bit. Shake them up. It's a principle. Mary understood that until I'm married, I'm not going to be with a man because that's what the Bible says I should do. Mary said, you know what? If I'm going to have something, this, this, this plan of God, that God's going to work in me and do things through me, then, I, then here's, here's the plan. Don't qualify yourself by inserting your life. See, we want to try to make it happen. Amen. If I ever get my chance to hold that microphone, I'm going to show the world what I can do. That's not how you get it, Mary. Amen. Here's how you get it. You just keep on obeying the word of God. Amen. You keep on submitting yourself. to. You keep making right choices in a world of wrong choices. Well, I want God to use me. I'm gifted and I'm talented. I don't want to know how gifted you are. How submitted are you? How obedient are you? Well, I've got the voice like an angel, but a tongue like a devil. If you want God to use you, then you got to be submitted and you got to be obedient. Everybody say right choices. You want to be qualified for God to do something in you that you're not qualified to do? Amen. You want God to do something in you that doesn't make any sense to the world around you? Just start being, make right choices. Get up tomorrow and make right choices. Get up Tuesday and make right choices. Love your wife. Love your children. Pay your bills. Work hard at a job. Make right choices. Two hand claps and a lot of people saying, is this guy almost done? You want the favor of God in your life? Then you got to make right choices. Mary, you want to be a vessel that I can use, and you got to be a virgin. Scientifically, scientifically, the very thing that would disqualify her from giving birth to a child was the very thing that qualified her. If we just look at the facts... The angel shows up and says, you're going to have a baby. And Mary says, hold on, i got a fact for you. Dr. Fauci called, and I've got a scientific fact for you. The science says that that can't happen. The facts say, I can't have a baby because I'm not with a man. I don't know a man. Amen. The fact that should have disqualified her from being used of God was the very thing that qualified her. Amen. I came today to preach to somebody in this building. The very thing you think disqualifying you from being used of God is the very thing that is qualifying you. God can't use anybody like me. Oh, yes, God's looking to use somebody just like you. In fact, you're the only one God can use. You're the only one God can use. 
I wish somebody else would give God praise today because you've been allowing the enemy to use all the facts. I'm preaching to people in this building today, you can't get over the facts. You can't get over the science as to why God can't use you. And the very thing you think disqualifies you is the very thing that made you eligible. Oh, I can't have a baby. I'm a virgin. Oh, you don't understand, Mary. It was prophesied. The only, the only person the Holy Ghost can overshadow, they've got to be a virgin. I'm looking for somebody just like you. You've got to get over your facts. Some of you think God can't use you because of your messed up past. You think that your, your sin is what disqualifies you from the grace of God. Can I tell you today what qualifies you for the grace of God is your sin. If you didn't have any sin, you wouldn't need grace. If you didn't have any sin, you wouldn't need mercy. If you didn't have any sin, you wouldn't need the presence of God. The very reason God's presence is in this house today is because there are sinners here. I wish somebody get over your facts right now. Get over your past. Get over all the reasons that say God can't use you. God can't use anybody like me. God can't use anybody like me. I've got a mess in my past. Can I tell you, God loves taking broken people. God loves taking people with a messed up past because they make great testimonies. You clean those vessels up a little bit and they make a shining testimony of the goodness of God. So don't you dare disqualify yourself, Mary. I know science says you can't have a child, but God is going to overshadow you. Those of you that came to be entertained today, I hope you've gotten your money's worth. I'm almost done. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Book of the generation of Jesus Christ, son of David, the son of Abraham, down to verse 15. Eliad begat Eleazar, Eleazar begat Mathen, and Mathen begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Third thing that qualified Mary for an unconventional anointing, an unconventional timing of God in her life to be able to elevate her when the checklist wasn't all checked off was who she was connected to. Listen, Joseph was not the birth father of Jesus, but that man that Mary was espoused to had to be from the lineage of Abraham. It had to happen. The very thing that qualified Mary was who she was connected to. And some of you are disqualifying yourself from great things God wants to do. Not because you don't love God, but because who you hang around when you leave here. Amen. It's the crowd that you keep coming. Some of you will never be able to live God, live for God until you cut some ties. Until you look some people in the eye and say, I'm sorry, but I've got to give birth to something. I've got a greater anointing on my life. It's who you're connected to, Mary. I'm choosing you because of who you are. Con Some of you are one breakup away from a breakthrough. Until you break up with that girl, you're going to keep on struggling. You're going to keep on falling. You're going to keep on failing because it's who you're connected to, Mary. But if you break up with that girl... All right, I, I know, y'all ready for an altar call? Visions of sugar plums are dancing in your heads right now. You're done with this preacher. But I'm telling you right now, God wants to do something bigger in your life, but who you're connected to won't let him. Why don't you get around Joseph? Why don't you find you a Joseph? I need somebody that's in the lineage of Jesus. I need somebody in the lineage of David. I need an encourager in my world. I need a prayer in my world. I need a worshiper in my world. When I come to church, I, I love all of you, but I don't want to get around people who don't know how to worship because I want favor of God in my life. And I know favor is watching who am I connecting myself to. If you're going to sit there like you got three eyeballs when the preacher's preaching, I love you, but I can't sit around you. I need to be connected to people that are getting something from God. Who you are connected to. I wish somebody give God praise right now.
Come on, I want to be connected to the right people. I can't afford to be connected to complainers. I can't afford to be connected to gossips and criticizers and, and grumblers and mumblers. I, I can't afford to be, I can't afford to be connected to people that always have a negative word. I gotta get a Joseph in my life. I, I need somebody that's down the lineage from David. I, I need somebody that's connected to Abraham. Pastor, I don't understand why God's not using me. It may just be who you're connected to. All right, sugar plums coming. Last one. Maddie. When Maddie comes, that means I'm done. Maddie is the executioner. Not really. She's the person that I call to give the rest of you hope. Because when she plays that first chord, all the angels in heaven rejoice. All the saints on earth rejoice. Fourth thing that qualifies you for an unconventional. I feel in the Holy Ghost here today. That in 2022, God is going to do some things that this world has never seen before. I, I, feel, I feel the Holy Ghost. This, I'm not just preaching a sermon. This isn't in my notes. I feel in the Holy Ghost that in this year, God is looking for a church that he can say to a church that isn't ready. We don't have the face. God, we're not ready for 22 new families. God, we're not ready for revival. Wait until we build that new building, and then we'll be ready for revival. And God is saying, no, 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 no. I'll take care of that. I'll take care of where to put them. But I need to know, are you ready? And God's looking in this building right now at some broken people. He's looking in this room at hurting people. He's looking at people that even as I preach, you're going through your checklist of all the reasons God can't use you. The fourth thing and the final thing that qualified Mary and will qualify every person in this house. I don't care what your past looks like. You don't have to have a Bible college degree. You don't need a minister's license. Amen. You may have been in the church. This might be your first service. But God is saying, I'm going to raise somebody up. And I'm going to do something for them that they're not ready for. I'm going to give them something that they're not in the right season. It's going to confuse everybody around them. Nobody else is going to understand it. But I'm ready to do it. But Mary, it all depends on your response. Because right now, everybody here has heard the same message preached. And every one of you now have it in your hands. What will your response be? Some of you will hurry out the back door to your dinner reservations. You'll hustle out the back door to get to the football game or whatever else you got planned. You'll hustle to get on about your businesses. But somebody's going to say today like Mary, the angel says, Mary, I'm going to give you something. I'm going to do something that you're not qualified, Mary. Mary, Mary, all the reasons you would say you can't have a child or all the reasons you will. But Mary, it all depends on what you do now. boyfriend said this is a mess ridiculed laughed at whispered about talked about Mary knew all of that was coming and yet she raised her hands toward that angel she said so be it unto me according unto thy word there was no bartering there was no bargaining it was not what's in it for me what are you asking for me it was just God whatever you ask God, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, whoever you want me to reach, God, I'll do it. So be it unto me according. I'm letting all the walls down. Come on, teenagers, you're not too young. Let that wall down. Stop disqualifying what God wants to do. Come on, Mary. It takes a lot to be humble enough to say, God, I trust your way. Come on, Mary, what are you going to do now throughout this building? What will you do 2,000 years ago? A virgin girl with trembling knees raised her hands. I'm not ready to have a child. Nothing in my life is prepared for this. I'm not ready to do what you're asking of me. But nevertheless, whatever you ask of me, I'll do it according unto thy word. Oh, pastor, I got to get some things right in my life before I surrender to him. I'm just not ready. Oh, you're ready. 
I'm asking everybody that will to come to this altar. The best gift that we could give to Jesus this Christmas, it's not gold and frankincense and myrrh, but it's a surrendered life. It's somebody that you look at your circumstances and you say there's no way that God could, I need some sinners that aren't ashamed to run to an altar and say I'm a sinner. All the things that should disqualify me from being used of God are evident in my life. Nevertheless, so be it unto me according unto thy word. Come on, press in, press in. Come on, Mary, I know you're here today, Mary. It may not be everybody, but there's some Marys here today that in this next year, God is going to fast forward some anointing. In this next year, God is going to fast forward the call of God. In this next year, God is going to put you in places that you have no business being. And it's going to be the Holy Ghost that does it. Don't please don't stand here at the altar and disqualify yourself. Please don't stand here at this altar and say I'm not in the right season. Raise your hands. So be it unto me according unto thy word. to pray but living hope I need you to help me right now because here's what the Holy Ghost is speaking to me there are people that are brand new to this church there are people this may be their first Sunday but God wants to do something in them that even many of us in this church will not understand they don't have the pedigree they don't meet the checklist if we looked at a, a checklist of anointing all the reasons God shouldn't use them is the very reason God is looking to use them and so I need living hope right now to be sensitive. I need you to reach around and pray for somebody because God is about to elevate somebody. God is going to use somebody. God is going to anoint somebody. He doesn't need your approval to do it, but he'd love to be in partnership with you to do it. Come on, living hope. We get our blessing every Sunday. It's time to help somebody. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.